Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell, bringing you the latest information for families seeking to adopt, adoptees, and women considering placing a child for adoption. Now, with today's program, here is Marty Caldwell. Well, thank you for tuning into our our weekly program, and we're excited to have you on the show today. We've got a wonderful show again lined up for you. We'd like to invite you also to visit our website, Let's Talk Adoption. Dot com where you can learn more about adoption, listen to par- past shows on any topic uh, on adoption, and then also by buying the CDs, uh, if you find them that you like, if you purchase the CDs, it helps us fund our radio show and keeps us on the air, so we really appreciate your support. If you have adoption questions, drop me a line at info at letstalkadoption.com, and I'll incorporate your questions into upcoming shows. Today in the studio, we have adoptive mother, Don Whitaker. And Don, thank you so much for coming into the uh, studio today for us. I know that you've taken time off, vacation time, I think, yes. off of work to come in, so I appreciate that. And we're going to be talking today about getting through the wait, um, new ideas, common and common fears and frustrations, and some of some secret thoughts that people just don't talk about that you were willing to talk about. So we wanted to bring in because it was important that you know we share with other people that our feelings and thoughts about adoption to help them because many times we don't talk about these things and they just mull in our mind and we don't know whether or not we're really um, thinking the way we should be or we're crazy or, or what. So I really appreciate you willing to, to open up and share some of the thoughts that you had while you were going through the process. Now, you know, you adopted a few years back and the reason I like having guests that come in that have adopted in the past is because you've been through, you know, life now as an adopted mom, mom, um, really adoption kind of leaves a little bit in a sense because you're just a mom. And you had secondary infertility. Um, right. You had a daughter already, um, you and your husband, um, Bill, um, a wonderful couple. And um, what brought you to the, the conclusion that you wanted to adopt and not go through infertility? Well, we had always planned on having two children. And um, the bottom line is I, I can get pregnant the, mm-hmm. the traditional way. Mm-hmm. Um, but both of my pregnancies were very difficult and life-threatening. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the kind of stories that I don't tell a pregnant woman <laughs> Yes, right. because it scares them. Um, but after I lost my second pregnancy, um, we were told by our doctors that it just wasn't in the cards for me to be pregnant. Mm-hmm. So we went many years just thinking we'd end up with just our daughter. Mm-hmm. And then we heard, and we thought about adoption, but we weren't sure how that would incorporate into a family that had a genetic child. Mm-hmm. You know, silly me, I thought there was a difference. Mm-hmm. And... Um, over the years, we started hearing more and more about open adoption and and having an adopted child know something of their family heritage. That was important to us because my daughter is a spitting image of my husband. Right. And we were concerned about what an adopted child would feel when they didn't have that same physical connection. Right. So, yeah. And, um, and interesting how um, we'll talk and share how, how your son yes. looks now, too. too. <laughs> but, you know, uh, every adoption is a little bit different. How, you know, how long did it take you once you decide, OK, we were going to go ahead and look into adoption? How long did it take? I know you had some false starts. <laughs> you had a lot of fun right. things that happened. Well, how long did it take before you were matched up? And- it was almost um, about a month and a half shy of a year. Mm-hmm. But like you said, that year was not without activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot has changed in the time, too. The um facilitator that we mm-hmm. used you mm-hmm. guys yeah, yeah. Uh, were much smaller then and I think that your organization and probably others that have grown during that time are placing as many families mm-hmm. in a month as it as happened in the year that we were working right. on our adoption right so yeah. um, and hindsight 2020 shows that that in spite of the year wait which was tough mm-hmm. The situation that we ended up with was better than any of the other contexts that we had through that right. year it and was it, meant it, to be that yeah. way and I think, too, with the Internet, it's really opened up. Like, yes. I know that even though 
Uh, we were really working only in one little regional area. When the Internet opened up, we're now doing more adoptions. But um, the time wait is really about the same. It's three months to a year yeah. uh, to be matched up with a birth mom, which is really unusual. You know, a lot of people think, wow, I thought it was going to take seven years. Um, but, you know, we have more and more birth moms contacting us across the country. So I think that the, the difference is. But it was still hard, though. I mean, that, that year was. was hard because yeah. you were in with a support group that we were having at the time. And I think I remember one, bless your heart, you were in tears because <laughs> I'm going to share this story. You came to a meeting and everyone at the meeting was matched up and you weren't. And we weren't. You weren't. Yeah, it was tough. Yeah. Um, well, I think one of the things that helped me was reminding myself that uh, a gestation period, if you're pregnant, is nine months. So, right. you know, expecting anything less than that is a little selfish. Yeah. You're right. I, I remember the situation because a couple that we had actually become pretty close friends with mm-hmm. uh, had come in. Um, probably four or five months after we had, and mm-hmm. they already had three boys and wanted a girl. Right. So they were limiting themselves to girls, which, of course, you cautioned them would take more time and they needed mm-hmm. to be patient. And then, you know, wham, bam, three or four months later, they have they have their daughter. Mm-hmm. And I remember meeting her at the meeting that they brought her to thinking, what is wrong with us? Yeah. You know, they had all these restrictions that they placed. And yeah. here we are. And it was God's plan. But you know what? The next meeting... We had our son with us. Right. So, yeah. I mean, that literally it, days after that meeting, things started to happen for us. Yeah. So yeah. you just never know. And I think a lot of times we, that's so normal, too, to just get frustrated and wonder because it's on yes. your mind. Don't you feel that when you wanted to adopt, I mean, you're a real A personality like I am. Yes. <laughs> and we're so used to just making it making happen. It happen. Yeah. That's right. You set a goal and you break it down into things that you can do to make that goal happen. And w- what do you mean I don't have control over this? That was very. That was probably the most difficult for me because I've always been of the attitude that you work towards what you want and you have control to make it happen right. and that's not the case here there's there's another big variable here called birth parents yes right you know and yeah. and just circumstances sometimes you know, right aren't, and aren't right and, and the right child having that right. right child too and i'm sure you wouldn't uh, i wouldn't trade anything no. the way it is now too but it's hard it's the waiting game. the waiting game is the hardest yes. and so what did you do while you're waiting what can you suggest to other <laughs> you know listeners adoptive parents listening right now that are saying you know Gosh, this is so hard for me. I can barely stand it. Well, the first thing I wouldn't do is what I, one of the things that I did do, which was bug you a lot. That probably wasn't a good <laughs> oh. thing to do. I kept as busy as I could. I did a lot of research. Um, we knew next to nothing about the legal aspects of it, and open adoption kind of freaked me out. The idea of that mm-hmm. intimidated me at the mm-hmm. beginning. So um, I did a lot of research on that, tried to keep myself as busy as I could, mm-hmm. and I wrote in a journal. I think that was really um it was important for me to be able to look back at what I wrote and gauge where I was at mentally. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. I handled things fine. I went through one, what I call my emotional Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And um, months later, looked back on that passage in the journal and went, Lordy. Yeah. <laughs> so which, you have yeah, to what, accept the ups and downs. We're mm-hmm. emotional people. And yeah, exactly. And that did help you. And I know that, um, you know, we, we suggest that for birth moms, too, is to do the journaling, too. Mm-hmm. You had um, you had times when you were really frustrated. Um, that is very very normal. But I know that a lot of times people are afraid to to voice that. Right. You know, um, they're afraid to say anything because you had a child already, and there are people without children, and there was this guilt and everything. Right. How did you get through that? Well, I I did for many for many many months. I felt like I had to apologize for the fact that we already had a child, mm-hmm. and um, and then I realized that the last thing a birth mother especially cares about is why you're there to adopt 
Mm-hmm. They have their own problems mm-hmm. and they don't want to hear your story. You mm-hmm. know, they don't want to hear that you had, you know, that I had this adventures in pregnancy. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to hear how many CCs of have, some infertility right, how drug many, <laughs> how many miscarriages that you have you had? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, our birth mother in particular, I mean, she's now, she has five children counting Eric, mm-hmm. um, all of whom she's raising except for our son. Right. And, you know, so the last thing she needed to hear was somebody who had problems with pregnancy. She wanted to know what yeah, solution you had. Yeah, she would have liked some of those problems. Yeah. Yeah, solutions so, you had. Um, and then I realized that finally that it didn't matter why we were there. We were all there for different people. And nobody ever made me feel bad for the fact that I had a child. I was doing it to myself. Yeah, and that's a key right there mm-hmm. is that you're doing. And so much of the stuff we do to ourselves, too. We beat ourselves up, too. You know, how did you keep your spirits up and in your, your faith? I mean, you know, that... that there were things you, you journaled that helped you too. Was it talking to other people, you know, going to meetings, reading? The meetings helped a lot. Um, you know, now, I mean, an answer to that, there, I, we didn't have chat rooms and all that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And it, it really does help to know that others are in the same place you are. Um, I remember at one of the meetings that we went to, there was a couple from down in, who was not there. They were down in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And you were showing, we had a bunch of new families. We were all just getting our resumes together and you were showing us samples of what to use. And there was this one family that was like the family perfect. I mean, mm-hmm. the mother didn't work. The dad kind of played in the family business. They mm-hmm. had a comfortable living. They, it, it was really intimidating to me because I'm not a mom who can, I have to be a working mom. I'm not right. a stay-at-home mm-hmm. mom. And the flexibility and, and ease of lifestyle that this, couple had plus mm-hmm. they were really attractive mm-hmm. and so finally near the end of the meeting you asked us if there was anything that you could do you know to support us and, and I, I pointed to their resume and said yeah Marty would you get this family a, this family a baby please because they're making the rest of us look bad well uh, my husband was just appalled he just went oh Dawn but one of the other parents said hey she's just saying exactly what we're thinking Mm-hmm. And that was a real eye opener yeah. to me to realize that maybe these things and insecurities and feelings mm-hmm. that I were having were not mine alone. You right. do. You feel like you're exactly. out there all by yourself. Yeah. And you just say what you and feel. And that's not the mm-hmm. case. Exactly. Yeah. You have a right to your feelings. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't try and sh- subordinate them because you think you shouldn't have them. Right. And I think, too, is, you know, a lot of times if someone comes with a problem and if they have some idea of a solution or they're open to the solution. Right. Because many times I find that adoptive parents may have a problem, but they're unwilling to take the solution or two or three suggestions to get there. They just right. want to stay in their pain. And that doesn't get anybody anywhere. Right. If you aren't willing to take the suggestions that are given to you, then don't ask the question. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's really hard, too. Because you had, um, you know, you had some feelings about, let's say, open adoption. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you first started, um, when you were looking about it, how did you feel about open adoption? Oh, just why would anybody want to do that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I perceived lots of legal and emotional and future problems. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was resistant to it. Mm-hmm. I thought it would cause the adopted child in our family versus the Biological. homegrown child. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that would cause them more pain to have this reminder that, you know, they mm-hmm. weren't genetically ours. And, and, um, you know, obviously that's did you know anybody that, from the truth? Yeah, because I think a lot of times people think of adoption as it was, you know, 30, 40 years ago or right, longer. Where it was a big stigma. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so they don't realize it today. And so they, they, they're talking to other people or family members that may think of adoption way back when, when it is very acceptable now. Right. And, well, as a matter of fact, the thing that led us to adoption was that a customer came into my husband's business and mm-hmm. it's a business where children aren't normally there because there's lots of mm-hmm. machinery around. And he asked the guy if this was his kids and the gentleman put his hand on the uh, head of the younger child and said, yes, we're on our way up to Reno to visit 
her birth grandparents. Mm -hmm. And my husband said, her birth what? (laughs) (laughs) We'd never heard of a birth anything before. And that was how the topic of open adoption came up, started talking to this guy. And that's what led us to adoption. Isn't that amazing? And I, because I'd never heard of open adoption prior to that. Right. And that's just people talking sometimes and and very open in front of the child too. Right. So pretty excited about it. That was the thing that struck us was that there was no stigma. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Around it. And that is, I think that's really important for children to know that too, that, you know, it's something that, um, Definitely. Happens and that uh, it's okay, you know, definitely too. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we come back. We're going to share more about um, the secret thoughts of an adopted mother, the fears, the joys, and what adoption can bring. So stay tuned after this quick break. We're going to come back and Dawn was going to share more about her experience and some thoughts that she had that maybe you have that you've never talked about. We'll be right back. On my 18th birthday, I made a decision that would affect me forever. I chose life for my baby. I wasn't ready to be a mom or even to change my dreams of being a singer. Many of my friends offered to help me end my pregnancy. But then I learned about another option that provides a beautiful life for my baby, adoption. I was able to choose my son's parents and even meet them at the hospital. They love him so much and he's an answer to their prayers. I get emails and pictures from them. I even travel to visit my son each year. He has wonderful parents, an awesome life and a solid future, everything I wanted for him. And now, I've even moved to Nashville to follow my dreams. I chose life. I chose adoption. Open adoption means you make the choices. Choose the adoptive family, how much contact you want, and how you want the adoption to happen. To learn more about adoption, call 1-800-923-6784 or visit LifetimeAdoption.com. You can speak with a compassionate counselor confidentially 24 hours a day. Call Lifetime at 1-800-923-6784. Welcome back to Adoption. I'm Marty Caldwell on KFI AM 710. If you just joined us today, today we are sharing, sharing um, with an adoptive mom um, the you know helpful suggestions and dealing with fears and frustrations and, and things that often we think about, secret thoughts that we think about um, as adoptive parents when we're trying to adopt that we don't always verbalize. And I think it's important that we share this. And Dawn um, is in our studio today. Dawn, thank you so much for sharing this very private part of your life with us. Um, but I think it's important too. You know, you did some research because we, we shared before the break that you were really um, very skeptical of open adoption and fearful of it. What did you do to arrive at that changed attitude? Well, a lot of research. I'm kind of an information hound. Um, one of the first things I did was to check into the legal ramifications, you know, because I had this fear that 10 years later somebody would be able to come back and mm-hmm. say, well, you know, we changed our mind. You got through the poopy diapers and mm-hmm. childhood in- illnesses and now we need our baby back and um, that was a big fear of mine and obviously doing just even a little bit of research showed that that was not anything I had to worry about yeah. but more importantly was the emotional side of it um, I just was concerned about how productive mm-hmm. a relationship like this would be and um, what really turned me on was um, a number of books were recommended to me, and I wish I could remember the title of it. And Marty, I hope you'll figure it out and share it in a future <laughs> show because you shared the book with me. And it was written probably, I'm going to guess, about 20 years ago. Might have been Open Adoption, A Caring Option. It was stories like of a bunch of families. Mm-hmm. Um, we're working on one right now. And there's stories. stories. Oh, well, yeah. this thing, what it led me to believe was that it was stories of families and their adoption um, adventures. Mm-hmm. 
successes and failures. It just, it would take a couple, you know, Joe and Debbie, and then it would lead them through their story. Mm-hmm. And there was one couple that actually had a failure. And then mm-hmm. another segment of the book had their successful story. Mm-hmm. And what I kept finding was that those who had open relationships valued them so much. And this was in an era where openness was more of a, adoption was more of a stigma and openness was not an accepted reality like it is today, Mm -hmm. yet they still managed to make it work. Mm -hmm. Um, And more importantly was those who didn't have it Mm -hmm. regretted not having it. They said sometimes they missed that, they wish they had it. Mm -hmm. And so it really made me realize that my fears were uninformed. Yeah, at least the option of it too. Mm -hmm. And you know, I have met people that have adopted you know, 50 years ago that have said the same thing. They really liked having that, that option, that openness of right. knowing where, what, when, and not to interfere, but just to have that knowledge. Exactly. I think we're in an information generation now, and birth parents today want this, this, you know, most of them want this kind of information, and they want open or semi-open adoption. So people exactly. are really wise because I think it, it uh, is something that is being requested more and more for birth parents. Right. And I find that, you know, when a birth mom comes to us and she'll say, I want a family open, we may only have a handful of families to give to her because others are just still, still too fearful to, to really have a real open, open adoption. Well, the intellectual side of me also realized that um, it, it can benefit you from a medical standpoint. I mean, every time you mm-hmm. go into a doctor, they say, it's, you know, my, our son has allergies, has had them since he was three. Mm-hmm. Um, and they ask, is there any in the family history? Well, in the olden days, they had to say, we don't know. He's adopted. Mm-hmm. Now we have that information that we need. And I think the thing that really turned the corner with me was that during our search, a very good friend of mine lost her son a day after his 18th birthday after a year-long battle with leukemia. Mm. And the one potential remission that he had was when he had a bone marrow transplant from his yes. brother. And my son has a full blood brother who's 15 months older, uh, right. same father, same mother. Yeah. And the reality of that mm-hmm. really struck home with me. And I thought, wow, you know, what yeah. if? I mean, you never like to think anything like that would ever happen to a child of yeah. yours. But we ha- we would have options that a lot of adopted kids do not. Yeah, and those are things that you don't talk about too often right. that I'm glad you did right. because it does happen. And, and God forbid if you should need that. But you've got that information and it would be horrible to have to go through a complete search in a stressful time right. to find that where you can just make a phone call or drop a note in the mail exactly. and you have that information. Big I, difference. I think the big fear, too, with a lot of people is, well, they're going to interfere in my life. They're going to want to have a part in the birthdays and the Christmases mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. the reality is that from what I've learned and in our situations, that's mm-hmm. not the case. It's not at all. You were actually against it, and, and you wanted actually afterwards, you know, when because I, I got to know your birth. And in fact, I was there at the birth, if I remember correctly. Yes, you were. <laughs> yeah, at the birth. That's right. <laughs> the nurses were very impressed with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, but I remember that, um, is that, you know... Um, the birth grandmother was there, and right. they were very involved. But you did a complete turnaround right. because you found the benefit. Like you said, you did the right. homework and, and research on it, too. You know, the relationship has changed over the years um, with your 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 birth family's um, family. Now they've got m- a lot of children. Right. Tell us a little bit briefly about what that's like now. Well, and it, that's the other thing. In, in fears of openness, the reality is... It filters over time. It filters down as far as your time commitment goes. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw them a lot the first few years that Eric was very young. Now that he's nine, we're lucky to get together with him once a year. There's mm-hmm. there's contact, but mm-hmm. actually physically getting them together usually happens when Eric says, when am I going to get to see my brother? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he does say that, too. He does. He calls him his brother. As a matter of fact, uh, a friend of my husband's and ran into Bill and Eric once uh-huh. and he asked Eric how many brothers and sisters he had. And Eric started counting on fingers, and my husband couldn't figure out at first what he was doing. And then he realized that he was counting the halves and the ones yes. that don't live with us. And yeah. um, I think the changes are, well, first off, we have a great 
relationship with our birth family. Mm-hmm. Um, our birth mother's parents are very close to my husband's of my age. Mm-hmm. So there's a connection there in that we grew up in the same era and, yes. and they're wonderful people. Our birth mother has married a different man than, than mm-hmm. is Eric's father. Mm-hmm. They've moved a little further away. Actually, mm-hmm. they're closer to yeah. where you are now. Uh-huh. And then the extra children. He's not, I don't think, as un- I don't think he understands mm-hmm. the whole thing about getting together and stuff. So we usually make arrangements to get together at her folks' house. It's kind of a neutral territory, easier right. for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- I think the biggest thing that people have to be aware of is it's important as long as you're comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Don't worry what somebody else thinks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think really, I think there are members of my family and my husband's family that still don't, quote, understand. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean they're not supportive. They are. They're incredibly mm-hmm. excited for us when, when uh, we get, you know, we were part of Eric's mm-hmm. birth and, and love him as much as they do mm-hmm. our daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, but they worry. And I think it's natural for your family members to worry because... My mom, for instance, would only be worried about my feelings. She wouldn't right. care about anybody else. And I think that's that's mm-hmm. part of the supportive family network that a birth mm-hmm. mother wants a family to go into. Right. Yeah. Um, it was interesting because I uh, we were at the dedication of your baby, right. and the birth family was there too. Right. And and that was really interesting for me to observe, you know, the birth family and the adoptive family all together with this little boy running around. He was so cute that, you know, that he was all part of this, but they were all there because they loved this child right. very deeply. And you, I don't think you can have enough people love your child. No, and Eric actually feels sorry for my daughter that he has more people to love her. Oh. He, he has more family. He's actually said that. Yeah. And when they do, like, family trees in school and that sort of thing, he does too. He does one for our family and one for his birth family. Yeah. Uh, my mother-in-law is very into genealogy, mm-hmm. and, she, <clears throat> and she's had some conversations with, his birth great grandmother mm-hmm. to kind of get some family history there so she that's could do great. what they call a chart for him. Yeah, that's great. So. Tell me, you know, um, there are some fears people have. And these are things that people don't talk about, about being yourself around a birth mom, you know, and, and I know even around adoption professionals, sometimes we see the, the, the fairy godmother in these wonderful, perfect situations. Right. And, you know, none of us are perfect. Right. Uh, tell us about how you were trying to be. It is so, you know, uh, it's probably the most important thing I think that you can inflict into the mind of a potentially adoptive family is that you have to be yourself. Mm-hmm. First off, if you're going to have openness, any they're fabrication, they're going to see it. It's, yeah. I mean, these people aren't stupid, okay? Yeah, yeah. It's going to come forth, and they're going to know that you weren't presenting yourself as a person that you are. Yeah. And you never know what somebody's going to fall in love with. Mm-hmm. I'm short, heavy set, you know, middle-aged, and I was real worried that all these family beautifuls just had so much more to offer than we did. But what our birth mother was drawn to was how much of a couple we were in that we're both very involved. It wasn't like mom duties, dad duties. Right. She missed that with her first son. And mm-hmm. so that was important to her for Eric. Um, she watched the interaction that we had between our daughters and with each other. That was more important to her than that I had gray hair. You know, yeah, exactly, <laughs> it just yeah. didn't matter. And I think you never know what a birth mother wants. And, and the bottom line is you don't want a birth mother to choose you for, for what you've presented that you think she wants. Mm-hmm. You want her to pick you for who you are. Right. And the things you have to offer your child for a long time, I think that's extremely important too. Absolutely. And um, it's not just financial because no. we, we weren't in a position financially that some of the families were. Right. That's not important to them right. either. Well, I've had birth moms say, I want a plumber. I, I, right. I want a family that is a, a, a blue collar worker and I don't want a white collar. And it's it's really difficult. So I think that, you know, you, you I feel people all have qualities that birth parents are looking for. They just need to be honest. I well, agree. I remember you telling me once when I was worried about our uh, marketability mm-hmm saying that you had this one family that was very professional mm-hmm. and a birth mother turned him down because she couldn't see baby spit up on that, that yes, woman's shoulder. Right. That yeah. that has really struck with me over the yeah. years. 
And I think that's really important, too. You know, um, I, we've just got about a minute before we finish the show, but, you know, giving credence to your deep feelings, the importance of that, and I want to share just briefly about that. You know, you, you have these feelings, and a lot of times they keep them bottled up. Did you find, share with us a little bit about that, about giving credence to those feelings you have, too. Um, well, I think the journal helped because you have to get them out, because mm-hmm. if you don't, they sound bigger than they are. Yeah. And also talking to people about it, I think that really helps a lot because it helps put things in perspective. Yeah. Well, Dawn, thank you so very much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, it's been wonderful, and uh, God bless you and your family, too, is just growing, doing a really, really good time. This is Marty Caldwell, and I hope you have a great week. Until next week, go out there. We'll speak to you then, and God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. For more adoption information, visit LifetimeAdoption.com or call 1-800-923-6784. That's 1-800-9-ADOPT-4. And tune in again next week at the same time for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell.